Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Row, where I, your host player and GM, Hero Cities, play role-playing games for your listening pleasure. This episode is going to be the continuation of our Iron Sworn Starforge playthrough. This is episode four, and since it is a serialized content, it is recommended that you start at least with episode one, although to get a better understanding of our version of the Forge and what has gone into it, I do recommend that you start all the way from session zero and listen all the way through, or else you're not really going to have any idea what is going on. Anyways, when we last left our hero, using that heavily in quotes, Nikora Sokolov, he had finally actually gained access to the Space Station Prosperity, where he has been sent by the rather enigmatic figure of Creed in order to recover the station's memory unit is all that Nikora knows as of now. Uh, however, upon finally gaining access and almost destroying the second, well, not almost destroying the second chance, but narrowly avoiding catastrophic consequences, so to speak, Nikora gained access to prosperity using his brawn over brains as usual and now upon reaching the inside of the station something's not quite right something has gone wrong on this station it's dark absolutely as cold as space and everything is covered in this layer of icy frostness and so far the only contact with other humans we found is a or any living organism for that matter is a frozen corpse that was sitting at the terminal in the first airlock luckily for nakora we discovered a elevator at least an elevator shaft because who knows where the actual elevator is that runs from the initial arrival zone of the airlock up into the station proper itself and uh, upon reaching that elevator shaft there was a ladder which Nikora used to climb up to the first level where he found a clean room so to speak that he was unable to access into so continuing his climb uh, the session last session ended with uh, Nikora utilizing the hydraulic door opening mechanism and as he was, as the door was slowly cracking open, uh, you could just see a single thin beam of light coming through the opening door. What that means? Are there is there electricity here? Are there people? Nikora certainly has no idea, and I certainly have no idea. So let's get into it and find out together. So before we continue figuring out what exactly is behind this elevator door that Nikora is slowly opening. We need to decide or figure out exactly how long has this station been without power. I think that's important for us to know because it's going to dictate a lot of other things that are happening within the story and within the station itself. And I think we're just going to make it a simple oracle question here. We are just going to use the Iron Sworn oracle as opposed to the one from the mythic gm emulator because i think it's just going to work better i think the first question we're going to ask is has it been longer than a week i honestly don't know so we are going to 
set it as 50-50, that it's been less than a week. If we roll under 50, then it's been less than a week. 55, so it's been more than a week. Has it been more than a month? I think that is unlikely. No, we got a 99. So how about two weeks? Yes, it's been two weeks, roughly, since whatever occurred on this station knocked out power and, or whatever happened and turned it into the derelict space station that it is now. What this tells me is that there's probably still food available, obviously. This station is well-stocked with food and obviously water. Maybe it's frozen water now, but regardless, food's not a problem. That gives us the primary issue is going to be oxygen for anyone who, if there is anybody alive still, who's left on board. Um, I mean, obviously it's a space station. It's going to have some sort of fancy sci-fi system used to generate oxygen, and they have unlimited water. And as we know, water is H2O, so they probably have some method of splitting the water into making oxygen out of it. It's probably even possible in real life, but I'm no scientist. Regardless, with the power having been knocked out, they would be reliant upon whatever oxygen resources are left. And obviously, with the lack of environmental systems working and anything like that right now on board, uh, we do know that the, whatever the normal oxygen system is, is knocked offline. So on at the end of the last episode, as we were starting to open the door, rolled on the derelict ship and got community. Now, what type of community area is this on the other side of the door? Let's find out before we open it. We got a 60. Market or trade? The question is, is this a place where the traders would come and kind of hang out? Is it kind of like a fully enclosed but separate from the rest of the living area space where traders would come in, dock with that airlock, take the elevator up, and this would be the, the the like introduction to the trade area where these traders would come in, hang out, have their own little area that's isolated from the rest of the community aboard the space the space station. Makes sense to me. I think that is damn near a sure thing. We have a chaos ranking currently of four. So close to doubles. We haven't had doubles yet on the fate chart, but I'm excited when we do. However, we did roll a 12, which is an extreme yes. So I think that this area is completely isolated from the rest of the, at least from normal corridors or any connecting things like that. It's just its own thing. And I think it's a large area complete with various um, bunks and dorms and stuff like that, along with basic entertainment and like everything you need. For these uh, various trading crews who come on, they probably come on board, take the lift up to the trade center. It's the only place they're allowed to go. Some representative from Prosperity itself comes down and talks to the traders who are coming in. They do their trade and away they go. I think that as this door is slowly being wedged, not wedged, but forced open by the hydraulic system manual hand pump that Nikora is working on. I think the light takes him a little bit by surprise. So far, this entire space station has been pitch black, dark. Nothing's functioning. Everything is in disarray or unmaintained. It looks, I think it's very industrial. It looks a lot like, um, probably like the 
kind of like the spaceship from the first alien movie, if you know what I mean. A lot of like exposed catwalks and planking um, and stuff like that, like wiring running, tubes running up and down the elevator shaft. It's dark, it's cold, everything is covered in ice and crystallized. It's just a very inhospitable and uncomfortable place to be at the moment. So, is there somebody on or something on the other side of this door? Let's roll to find out. I have no idea. I'm saying 50-50. We're going to be back to using the Mythic GM emulator. So let's see what we get. We rolled a 69, which is a no. It's not an extreme no, however. So as Nikora gets just enough room of the door open in order to take a peek through it, he carefully peeks around the corner and looks out into the room. Hearing nothing but his pounding heart in his ears, Nikora sees an interesting scene. It's a little bit different than what we've seen so far in the derelict. There are these two construction lights that are set up, illuminating the elevator door itself, along with uh, some, some crates and tables that have been turned over and stacked to make almost a makeshift barricade guarding the area from the elevator. However, there's no one around. There's nobody in here at all. The question is, where did they go? You just, clearly someone, since this event has gone down, was here. The lights are being powered by battery packs, assume, presumably, since there's no power in the area. All of the overhead lighting is all turned off. But as we look into this area, you can tell it was used as some kind of meeting point. It says, welcome to prosperity on the side of the wall. Of course, Nikora had to kind of turn his light around and looked and says, welcome to prosperity. Make yourselves comfortable. Representative will be with you shortly. I think there's benches along one part of the wall where clearly some have been pulled off and used uh, part of this makeshift barricade along with crates of some kind. I still think that uh, it maintains beneath the facade. It's still a very utilitarian area. It still has that grit of industry and other stuff like that however it has these couches and some sort of fake potted plants along along the wall as well and down near the end of the hall there's a number of different doorways branching off into different areas of this section of the uh, starship and the whole barricade guard post situation is all built up around this round desk in the center that looks like uh, like an information desk you would find at a mall or an airport or something like that. It's just this big round desk with a chair in the middle and a terminal, which is, of course, turned off. Uh, I think Nikora is definitely curious about what is going on in here. Like, where are the people? They took all this time to set up the guard posts. And who are they? Why is nobody here? Also, is there anything useful in these crates? After all, Nikora, let's face it, he's basically a, a scavenging cockroach. This is what he does for work, for the most part. Comes into these derelicts, strips them of anything useful and valuable, and buggers off. So I think using our scavenger path, Nikora is going to attempt to gather information about what happened here by sorting through all of these crates and stuff like that. 
All right, to gather information, when you search for clues, conduct an investigation, analyze evidence, or do research, roll plus wits. And with our scavenger trait, add plus one and take plus one momentum on a hit. So with that, our wits is three. With a plus one is four. So let's see what happens. All right, this did not go so well. We got a two on our d6 and on our challenge dice we got an 8 and a 10 unfortunately that is a straight up miss so on gather information on a miss your investigation unearths a dire threat or reveals an unwelcome truth that undermines your quest pay the price i think there's some kind of hidden peril in this area so we're going to roll off of the community the derelict community um peril chart and see what happens we got a 50 foe lurks within concealment so that begs the question of what kind of foe is this is it a human is it a creature is it something with the ship itself i don't know let's find out let's roll on the fate chart here let's ask it is this a creature i think it's a 50 50 chance because i have no idea rolled the wrong dice there let's try again a 53 it is not a creature. Is it a human? I think it is uh, very likely this is a human. Zero, one. Extreme, yes, it is definitely a human. And since the chart told us it was a foe, we know he's going to be at least initially hostile to our boy Nikora here. So let's figure out a little bit more about this guy or this individual. First off, let's figure out what their gender is male all right we haven't seen him yet i actually don't really think we need all that much for this guy but we'll get back to him in a, in a bit so nikora is kind of pine around this central courtyard area going through the different crates and boxes and just not finding anything it's either just useless goods or like clothes and other stuff that people need when they, you know, travel. It's like traveling stuff for whoever the people were in this area. And besides that, there's really nothing useful in these boxes. Maybe some foodstuffs and some frozen water. Other, you know, basic stuff like that that you would bring with you when you're planning on staying in an area for a couple days uh, to, like, do trade negotiations and stuff like that. Think kind of like, but a little bit different than the uh, alien resurrection when the kind of dodgy crew of the Betty comes on board the um, military station. That's kind of what it's like. It's like a little bit of a living area like that, but they don't mix with the actual crew. It's completely separate. You know, there's probably down further down in this hallway. In the darkness, you can probably just make out signs that say like restrooms, bunks, kitchen, Stuff like that. Just the basic stuff that you need when staying in a place for a couple of days. And you're not really allowed to leave and explore around. As Nakora kind of makes his way around the desk in the center of the room. He starts making his way back towards the various rooms leading out the back end of this uh, kind of meeting hall or introduction hall area. We as observers see a dark humanoid form crawl its way out from the dark inky shadows beneath the round desk that's sitting in the middle of the room. 
The only two features that we can make out on this form is the glinting shine of something in his hand and this vivid, bright red flashing light pulsating on and on somewhere off of its back. Some big lump, some kind of bulky object that's on the back of this form as he stalks towards Nikora in the darkness. Now getting back to that failed gather information roll we made, I think that the price we're paying here is an opportunity for an enemy. The result of the failure was that there is an enemy and the pay the price portion of that is that this guy or this individual is going to get the jump on Nikora. So I've taken a moment to get this combat against this individual figured out. I've decided to rate it as a dangerous encounter, and we're going to start off in a bad spot. We're not even going to make the um, enter the fray roll. We just start right off in a bad spot, and that's going to be the advantage uh, that this guy has on us. So as Nikora is reaching the end of the corridor where those other doors to the various uh, subsections of the living corridors are, Nikora, who is still interested in investigating this area, slowly or starts to reach his hand out towards uh, one of the doors that is labeled living corridors. When we as observers see this dark shadow stand up behind Nikora, with what's clearly the edge of a knife in his hand and is preparing to bring it down into his back. Now, this is definitely a react under fire roll. When you're in a bad spot and take action in a fight to avoid danger or overcome an obstacle, envision your approach and roll. The question is, what exactly are we going to roll? Because I don't really see any of these things which necessarily have to do with being ambushed. I think this is purely just going to come down into a reaction role functionally. Like, can he sense the movement behind him or possibly see a little bit of red on the doorway from uh, the flashing red light on this guy's back? So I think we're going to roll plus edge. This is a super important role. Obviously, fighting in spacesuits isn't easy, but let's see what happens here. Our edge is two, and let's see what happens. We rolled a six, which is an eight. Uh, they got a, uh, and the challenge dice were a five and an eight, which gives us a weak hit. On a weak hit, you avoid the worst of the danger or outcome or overcome the obstacle, but not without cost. Make a suffer move minus one. You stay in a bad spot. So as this knife comes plunging on down, Nakora, with some sixth sense, spins out of the way and the knife barely misses his faceplate as he turns around to face his opponent and it the knife just scrapes a little bit of the faceplate not puncturing the suit Nakora is wearing luckily and we will endure stress because the shock and and just fear of being ambushed by somebody in the darkness and as Nikora's light splashes across uh, this guy we can see just this look of utter desperation behind the faceplate of him and you can see now on his back where that blinking red light was is a gauge on the back of his suit that is showing all the way empty and a flashing red light says O2 low now this guy who's attacking Nakora himself as we see his face it's twisted in anger and rage and fear and desperation all at the same time a, ve- a mix of crazy emotions 
However, he does have one distinctive feature. One of his eyes is either incredibly lazy or possibly fake because all it does is point straight down and you can see all of this fear and desperation only in one eye while the other eye just kind of does its own thing. On the front of his suit that he's wearing, which at one point was probably in pretty good condition, but now, after a couple of weeks of being rough and tumbled, has some blood splatter on it, and uh, even has a handprint in the middle of it. However, just above where that handprint is, you can just make out his name, Crazy Eye Jones. I don't think this is a extremely stressful situation, so we will suffer minus one spirit for a minor stress which brings our spirit down to five. The clearly shaken Nikora, who, if you remember, is a big guy, attempts to gain some uh, distance between himself and this crazed man who's trying to kill him. The only real option Nikora has at this point is to just use his bigger size and brute strength and try and shove his way basically through where this guy is occupying the area with his knife that is glistening and shining in Nikora's rather dim light provided by his suit. So in this case, we're going to clash. When you are in a bad spot and fight against a foe at close quarters, roll plus iron. Our iron is one. So we got two ones on the challenge dice and on our action dice. We also rolled a one. That's three ones. Now our iron is one. That's a plus one. So not only do we get a strong hit, but we also have some sort of advantage since it's doubles. Now, Clash says, on a strong hit, mark progress twice. That was a huge advantage for Nikora. I think as he takes his just extra bulk way down with his suit and air tank and all the stuff, he just barrels into this man who should have been able to hold his ground a little bit more, but perhaps he's malnourished or just did not expect this kind of ferocity from Nikora, who grits his teeth and just kind of more or less shoulder charges into this guy, pushing him back. So not only did we mark progress twice, which gives us four out of ten boxes filled, but we also overwhelm our foe and are in control. Our advantage for rolling doubles on the challenge dice, Nikora manages to get just enough distance between himself and Crazy Eye, that he has enough room to draw out of his holster. An interestingly shaped gun. Now we haven't really talked about the weapon that Nikor always has on his hip. But basically it's a pistol gripped stubby nosed shotgun that has been passed down from his father. Nicknamed Stubbs. Stubbs is interesting in that it's it's definitely a shotgun, but I think the design of it is different than like a conventional shotgun shell think it doesn't use shotgun shells but instead utilizes an interesting um, more advanced technology I think than is commonly found in the forge just because I think it's kind of cool it's definitely like a double barreled shotgun it even kind of almost looks like a shotgun we have on earth except there's way too much metal and it's got this big area on the bottom of the pistol grip where you load in these blocks of metal and essentially the mechanism inside of the shotgun itself shaves off these metals incredibly quick and um, shoots them out of the barrel like with these little slivers of metal and you can adjust on the fly exactly how big these chunks of metal are so you could do you know extremely tight pattern like buckshot or even a slug or you can have it spray out kind of like a blunderbuss with just a bunch of these metal shavings going everywhere. 
But as Nakora positions himself back away from Crazy Eyes, who is spinning around and clearly not having a good time, he's he's distressed, he's distraught, and he starts running back towards Nikora. He levels the shotgun at him and puts up a hand in an attempt to try and calm this man down through the threat of using stubs against him. Unfortunately, whether motivated by fear of his own death or he's just lost his mind completely, Crazy Eyes keeps charging in and Nakora takes a shot. In this case, we are using strike since we are in control and rolling plus edge because we are striking at a distance. That gives us a plus two. On our action dice, we got a two, which is not great. And on the challenge dice, we got a six and a nine. I do not really want this to be a miss, so we're going to burn our momentum back down to two from seven, which will at least give us a weak hit. On a weak hit, mark progress twice, but you expose yourself to danger. You are in a bad spot. So we lost our advantage, and unfortunately, um, we're back in a bad spot again. So as this man charges towards Nikor, he levels the shotgun at him, pulls the trigger, and the blast of these bits of shrapnel come out of one of the barrels, briefly lighting up the room from the muzzle flash. And these needles of metal strike into the chest of the charging man whose face contorts in pain as he yells but no sound can be heard because there's no air and is in his uh, adrenaline fueled rage he continues charging towards Nikor, who did not expect him to stubs usually blasts a man off his feet yet this guy just took a shot to the chest and barely even staggered with what little oxygen this crazy eyes has left if any, you can just see little wisps of air coming out from the punctures in his chest from where uh, Nikora's shot had hit him. He clashes into Nikora running full speed, and we once again clash. We are at close corridors, so we roll plus iron. We got a strong hit. We rolled a six, so it's a seven. And on the challenge dice, it was a one and a four. On a strong hit, mark progress twice which brings us up to 8 out of 10 progress in this fight. We overwhelm our foe and are in control. So I think what happens here is uh, Crazy Eyes comes charging in towards Nikora, who fires at him, hits him in the chest. It does stagger Crazy Eyes a little bit, and as his eyes go wide, uh, the blinking red light on the suit changes to solid red as um, the oxygen is completely vacated out from the suit. And as Nakora, or as Nakora takes this charge from the other man, he kind of gets down low and uses leverage and f- tries to, and flips Crazy Eyes over the top of him, throwing him onto his back. And at this point, we will take decisive action. When you seize an objective in a fight, Envision how you devise action, then roll the challenge dice and compare your progress. If you are in control, check the result as normal. We just gained control from our last clash against Crazy Eyes. So let's see what happens. Basically, we roll the dice and then we um, compare it to our progress move. Right now we have eight. So functionally, our action dice is an eight and we're just rolling our challenge dice against that. We got a six and a two, so we got a strong hit. 
On a strong hit, you prevail. Take plus one momentum. If any objectives remain and the fight continues, you are in control. No more objectives. Our only objective was to survive our encounter with Crazy Eye. So we will gladly take that plus one momentum. With the um, heat and excitement of adrenaline coursing through him, after Nakora crouches down and uses leverage to flip Crazy Eyes over the top of him, Crazy Eyes lands hard on his uh, stomach face down, unmoving in the cold, frozen room. Nakora, grabbing Stubbs, points it at the back of his head and clearly taps him on the back of it, but there's no movement out of Crazy Eyes. Nor is there any spreading blood pool as the absolute freezing condition of this place freezes the blood before it has a chance to spread out on the floor. Nakora hesitates a few moments before holstering his gun, reaching down a hand and rolling crazy eyes over. Only one eye is open and points in a weird direction while the other is closed. The solid red light on the suit slowly fades. Nakora has killed. Has he killed before? I think it's likely. I think this kind of stuff happens when you're a scavenger. The question is, how does it affect Nakora? Does he care? Is he cold and callous? I think at the moment, the feeling of overcoming an obstacle, of self-defense, of killing this man, isn't weighing on Nakora. Perhaps in the future it will, but as of now, all that Nakora is focused on is survival. So Nakora stands up, looks back deeper into the, down the hallway towards the other rooms, and starts making his way, boots silently crunching on the frozen ice as our scene fades into darkness. Before we completely wrap up this session, just a little bit of uh, housekeeping to do here. We did uh, fulfill our challenge against Crazy Eyes, so I've removed that from our tracker, unfortunately or obviously by design, just because you succeed in Iron Sworn against somebody doesn't mean that you get a mark experience or anything like that. So as far as the conclusion of this is concerned, even with Crazy Eye Jones being dead, we don't get anything for it besides survival, basically, which I guess is a reward in and of itself. However, I do think that this is the end of a scene for Nikora. It feels like we've come aboard the ship. We had our first real encounter. When we start our next episode, it'll be at a different scene than it is now. So we'll do all of our starting a new scene stuff that we do at that time. But other than that, we don't really have anything to update as far as characters are concerned. For our clocks that we're working with, I think we'll deal with those also at the start of next episode. And I think that about wraps us up for today. I really hope that everyone has enjoyed today's episode four of Iron Sworn Star Forged here on One Guy, One Roll. Once again, I thank all of you for your continued support and interest in listening to me ramble on for about a half an hour every couple of days. It means a lot to me. It keeps me motivated to keep producing these, and I can't wait to get into the next episode and keep exploring the prosperity and see what other kind of trouble we can come across on this abandoned spaceship, a uh, space station, rather. Anyways, as always, I've been your host, Hero Cities, signing off. Stay safe out there, y'all.